The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with hosts Victoria and Adair Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here with her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan and an actress, a playwright, and a stunt performer to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now let's get this party started. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey everybody, welcome to Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio. I'm your host, I'm Victoria Moran, and I am joined today once again by the lovely Alicia Leeds Myers. She was on with me as co-host last week. Everybody liked her, so she's back this week. And what we've decided is we're going to just do some co-hosting with some different people, folks who've graduated from Main Street Vegan Academy, and perhaps my lovely daughter Adair will resurface after she does her role in A Christmas Carol and has many other activities going on in the world, and we will just spice it up with multiple people conversing. How does that sound to you, Alicia? That sounds awesome. I'm thrilled to be here again this week, Victoria. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, it's fun, fun, fun to have you, and you know what would be even more fun if you, the listener, would like to join this conversation, and you can do that toll-free at 888-558-6489. We're going to have a couple of fascinating guests coming on later. We've got Brian Leaf, author of Misadventures of a Garden State Yogi. Brian is a yogi, a health expert, and an Ayurvedic expert. I love Ayurveda. Did you like that part of the Main Street Vegan Academy training, Alicia? I did love that. And, you know, after we had the training on Ayurveda, I started doing the oil pull in the morning, and I found that that is so effective and yummy. I just love doing the oil pull with coconut oil every day. And I do it every day with sesame oil. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a funny word, the oil pull. It sounds like climbing a rope with greasy hands. (laughs) 
But it's it's rinsing your mouth after you've brushed your teeth with an unrefined vegetable oil, and coconut and sesame are the two that are most often recommended. They think that it works by a process called saponification, which basically means a detergent action, that when you sleep, you don't have any saliva, so all these bacteria proliferate in your mouth, and a little swish of mouthwash or brushing your teeth just doesn't begin to get rid of that stuff. And people have actually suggested that you could even protect yourself a little bit further against heart disease and all sorts of other conditions by having a really, really, really clean mouth, and oil pulling can be part of that. Plus, it makes your teeth so white and shiny. Oh, that that's just unreal, because I'm a tea drinker. <coughs> Excuse me, and I had even planned to save up my shekels and one day get those veneers, except those things are pricey. Yes. I think $18,000 is the going rate here in New York City, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to spend that kind of money on my <laughs> mouth. And I started doing the oil pulling just as a general health kind of practice, and, oh, my gosh, I can save my $18,000. Not only that, but you don't have to get those icky teeth whiteners that they sell in the drugstores. This is a much better way to achieve the same result. It's true. I don't like those. They make my teeth hurt. And probably most of them aren't even vegan when you're really thinking about trying to use products that have not come out of that animal testing system. So Ayurveda, well beyond rinsing your mouth (laughs) with coconut or sesame oil, is a wonderful, wonderful system of diet and lifestyle that is for you specifically because there are different body types and our expert Mr. Leaf will go into that when he joins us a little bit later. Our other guest today is from the Food Empowerment Project and this is a wonderful vegan food justice organization and it will be wonderful to be talking with both of our terrific guests today. We had some fun last night didn't we? We sure did. Um, the first, no, it was the second call, wasn't it? Yes, second master class. Second master class for Main Street Vegan Academy alumni. And boy, I think we had 12 or 15 people on the call participating, um, talking about their experiences, um, Main Street Vegan alumni graduates, and sharing uh, the expertise of the group. It was fantastic. And our, our topic was coaching techniques. So we had Diane Wentz, who's a fabulous young woman. You can find her at veggiegirl.com, two Gs. She's actually going to be a guest on Main Street Vegan on February 13th, so you can put that on the calendar. And She's also a holistic health counselor. She was trained at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So in addition to her training at uh, Main Street Vegan Academy, she had this additional expertise. And the other instructor last night was Alicia Leeds Myers, who is a behaviorist. What, What is your training? So my training is really in helping people make the shift with their behaviors. So someone, for example, who wants to lose weight um, often will go on a diet and start exercising and achieve the weight loss that they want. But when you're talking about a long-term weight loss, you really want to focus on shifting those behaviors for a lifetime. So my expertise is in helping people change their behaviors day-to-day for a long-term different result with their weight. 
And what you shared with us I think is so helpful, not just for people who work as coaches or, or counselors or teachers, but just for people dealing with people. It, it, you so emphasized focusing on the positive. How do you do that when you work with people? Well, you sort of have to train people to think differently about the way that they're thinking about themselves. So one of the first things that I do, especially when people come, you know, to my coaching sessions and they want to tell me everything that they weren't able to accomplish that week, I teach them instead to focus on the things that they were able to accomplish, whether that's eating their veggies or doing more physical activity. You want to really help people focus on the the things that they've done that week. And by building on the successes, you can um, help people learn. Um, If you think about learning, you know, even as a child when you go to school, you don't learn by by someone telling you how not to do things. Um, you, someone shows you the correct way to do things, whether it's playing a piano or holding a golf club, and then you practice that over and again. And while you may get some corrections for hitting the wrong notes, the focus is really on encouraging people from the positive. So you want to encourage um If it's a piano student, you want them to play the scales over and over again. You want to encourage the things that they do well and and help them move forward in that direction. And it's very similar with, with lifestyle change as well. I think about that when we're dealing with children and when we're dealing with ourselves. You know, I think if it's a friend, say a friend is trying to eat more vegetables and they say, well, you know, I didn't get up to seven, but, you know, I got six, we'd go, that is so great. I hardly ever eat six. And yet if it's ourself, it's like six, a measly stupid six, you failed again. And it's so important to give ourselves that positive feedback too. Absolutely. And oftentimes, um, you know, when you're working with a mom, for example, you would say, you know, the things that you say to yourself, you would never say to your children. And, you know, when you start to make people aware of their inner dialogue, especially around their diet and exercise, they start to realize, wow, I'm pretty mean to myself. Um, And being mean to somebody never helped them accomplish anything. So it's really important to, you know, help people focus on those positives each and every week and um, reinvest in their success, even if the success is only showing up for the appointment. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do um, is come to their coaching call. Um, But if that's all they were able to accomplish that week, that's great, even if nothing else happened. Oh, it's it's fantastic. So if you're interested in coaching people and addressing audiences and getting the word out about veganism in a bigger way, maybe a professional way, check us out at Main Street Vegan Academy. That's MainStreetVegan.net slash academy. We're taking applications now for February, June, and August of 2013. I have a sense that regardless of what the Mayans said, 2013 is going to be grand and glorious. I agree with you on that, and I think you know, there, there is an end to a lot of things in 2012 and some things that we're probably better off without, um, but there seems to be a rising consciousness, especially around veganism, and I am very thrilled to be a part of it through Main Street Vegan Academy. One of the things when you're talking about being positive, and I'm so grateful that Unity Online Radio has invited us to do the show, because Unity is all about being positive, positive thinking, and really elevating your thoughts and 
seeing things the way God sees things. You know, in Genesis it said God made everything and he said it's good. And so for us to just see our lives as good and ourselves as good, there's so much power. And I just want to share with anybody who's listening in the Dallas, Texas area, I am going to be at Unity of Dallas on the 20th of January. So anybody who's in that part of the world, uh, check it out, show up. I'll be doing the two Sunday morning services and an afternoon workshop on the vital elements of the spiritual life. A couple of those might have something to do with eating vegetables. I hear some music. That tells me that we are coming up on a break. We'll be back with our two fascinating guests and more of Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What I desire for myself, I desire for all beings. There is only one presence and one power at work in the universe. As I align myself with this truth, I set in motion ripples of peace, harmony, and abundance throughout the world. In a quiet time of prayer, I center my thoughts on the perfect peace within me. There is no lack, no separation, only the wholeness of peace. I affirm aloud, I am peace. You are peace. We are peace. I rest for a moment, feeling my heart expand as peace radiates from me. I envision a world in which all beings live in harmony, free from lack, free from violence, and at peace. One by one, each of us creates this peace for all. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive! Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Here on Unity FM, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you are seeking? Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, for The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready for the next steps on your spiritual path? If you are, you won't want to miss the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, 
with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. Essential insights and practices from the ancient yoga science of self-realization show us how to live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and realize your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria and Adair Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran. I'm here today with Alicia Leeds Myers, and we're thrilled that you're with us talking about all things vegan. You can join this conversation by calling 888 888- Five five eight six four eight nine. It would be lovely to find out what's on your mind this lovely close to the end of November day. So did you go shopping on Black Friday, Alicia? You know, I didn't. I didn't do any shopping at all over the weekend. I had a wonderful time crocheting hats and scarves for the local church um, hat and scarf tree for people who don't have hats and scarves. And it was wonderful to sit around the kitchen and crochet and have conversation. Oh, that just sounds idyllic. I'm really looking forward to a much simpler Christmas than usual. My daughter Adair and I are are kind of over the top about Christmas. We just love the holidays. My mother was the same way, so I guess it really is a family 
tradition. So I've already watched Miracle on 34th Street, the original 1947 version, which I actually think is one of the best movies of all time. If you're ever, any time of the year, feeling like you're just having a hard time believing in yourself or believing in divine intention, I mean to watch Miracle on 34th Street and see the existence of Santa Claus proven. Is that cool or what? It's so cool. You know, favorites that I think is just such an amazing visual treat is The Nightmare Before Christmas, which sort of is the bridge between Halloween and Christmas. Um, And I love just the whole story, Tim Burton's story and the visual. And to me, that's just such eye candy. Well, one of the things I think is is great to do is to is to keep a, a kind of holiday log. Like I do it every day from Thanksgiving through Epiphany on January 6th. Something holiday-like that I do for myself. And that can either be something spiritual for the renewal that is of this season or, or just something traditional like watching one of those movies or even something kind of commercial like going down to Macy's and seeing all those signs that say, Believe, I just love it. So it was two years ago, I guess, I did go to Macy's in almost the middle of the night. I guess it was around 5 a.m. And I didn't buy anything because I never know what anybody wants on the day after Thanksgiving. People that I know at least don't think that far ahead. But to just be there in all that excitement, it really brought out the kid in me. And I happen to think that is a very rejuvenating place to go. Visit your inner kid, and it's probably better than plastic surgery. You know, I really agree with that. In New York especially, is so vibrant this time of year with all of the lights. Um, and the idea that this is, you know, the winding down of one solar year and the beginning of the next at winter solstice and the, the birth of the new sun, it's really wonderful to have some ritual around that, uh, things that you do every year to celebrate coming to the end of one year and the beginning of a new sun. It's so just a beautiful time of year. Oh, I completely agree. And there's so many holidays coming at the same time. So you talked about the, the winter solstice and, and then all the other kinds of Christmas-related holidays that in different cultures they separate it, celebrate at different times. And we've got Hanukkah, and we've got Kwanzaa. And I just happen to love epiphany because I love that word, the idea of, oh, my gosh, he had an epiphany because I love having epiphanies. I mean, Main Street Vegan was an epiphany. I was riding in the subway wishing I had $100,000 to give to PETA. And I had the epiphany of, well, maybe not $100,000, but uh, <laughs> you can write this book, Main Street Vegan. And so the idea that there is a holiday, and I know that it's about when the wise men supposedly got to the baby Jesus, and that's all good too, but just the idea that something is called epiphany makes me happy. And guess what? This makes me happy too. Our first guest has called in. Hello, Lauren. How are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. How are you all doing? Uh, we're we're great. Thank you so much for calling. This is Lauren. Or do you say Ornelas or Ornelas? Ornelas. Ornelas, who is the founder and director of the Food Empowerment Project. This is an all-volunteer vegan food justice nonprofit that is working to create a more just world by helping consumers recognize the power of their food choices. So, Lauren, I know a lot of vegans have the idea of Good heavens, I'm not eating any animal food. Do I really have to do more? Do we? 
Well, I think that as vegans, most of us um, went vegan because of a sense of justice um, and a sense of outrage at some of the injustices that take place in society, especially those, obviously, um, against animals. And it brought compassion in our hearts that we did not know in our hearts that animals do not need to be raised and killed for food. And so we made choices in our life um, to make sure we didn't participate in that. And so I think that for many of us, um, we look at these other issues that take place um, impacting human animals, and we want to make changes to help their lives as well. Well, you have done amazing things. I happen to have a theory that if you really want to change the world, if your great desire is not just for yourself but for others or for the whole, you get some kind of mystical intervention. So when I look at the things you have done in life, you persuaded Trader Joe's to stop selling all duck meat, and here's the one that is just fascinating, and I know our listeners would love to hear about You were the spark that got the CEO of Whole Foods Markets to become a vegan. How did you do that? Well, I actually give him majority of the credit for being the type of CEO who would listen to people who actually had a problem with how his company was doing things. And, um, you know, really, we just had a really great dialogue about things. I shouldn't say great. Initially, it was me doing all the talking and him pushing back um, to eventually where we didn't talk for a while, and he wrote me back months later and said, you know, I've done some reading, and I've now become a vegan. And then he decided to make changes within Whole Foods, but he himself made the decision um, after reading some books to, to go vegan. Well, that is really a an, an artificial feather, because we don't want to use the feathers <laughs> that are pulled out of the poor little ducks in your cap. So that's that's wonderful. And he's doing so much good now in the world with, with the educational efforts at Whole Foods. I, I think there should be a, a new sitcom called My Favorite Mogul, and every week it could talk about people in high places who are using their their power and their influence in the world. I know Steve Wynn, the hotel mogul in Las Vegas, it's, has vegan menus at all of his hotels. It's really exciting to, to see people in high places and every other kind of place doing such good. And I also love that that one conversation sparked him to investigate further and make the change on his own because it really speaks to the power that each one of us has, whether we are a big mogul or a little person. Um, Every conversation we have can be the conversation that tips someone over to a vegan lifestyle. Absolutely, and I know that I've spoken to employees at Whole Foods who've talked about how he has talked about veganism and how he actually, by doing so, converted some of them to go vegan. So it's very interesting for him to to make this decision on his own, and as we all do as vegans, kind of spread the word about what happens to animals, and he, of course, has had his own series of people who've changed their lives because of it. Well, we're we're all just ripplers. I I love this (laughs) ripple effect thing that goes on. So you have taken care of John Mackey. Now you're working on Cliff Bar. What's that all about? Yes. Uh, Cliff Bar, um, as many people know, um, has really done a lot in terms of making vegan, um, mostly vegan, um, sports bars. Um, And they have a very care about them, about sustainability and really caring about these issues. But we're challenging them a bit on chocolate. Um, Food Empowerment Project has done a lot of work on 
the chocolate issue and um, exposing the fact that slavery, child slavery, and some of the worst forms of child labor are still taking place in West Africa for the chocolate industry. And this is where 75% of the world's cocoa comes from. And where children are locked in at night, they are beaten if they don't carry the heavy pods of cacao fast enough. They carry very large machetes, um, which causes cut, cuts along their bodies. And many of the children who have escaped, you can see scars along their bodies. So it's a very serious issue that we do not need to be condoning. We don't need to participate in and supporting slavery that takes place um, in the chocolate industry. And so what we've done is we've created a list of companies we do and don't recommend based on where they source their cacao. Again, all companies that make vegan products. Um, Cliff Bar is a company who will not disclose to us where they're sourcing their cacao from. And all we're asking for is country of origin, and they are saying that it's proprietary information. And what's the website where we can go to get that um, do and don't list on the chocolate, especially with the chocolate eating season upon us? Exactly. We are talking about holiday movies, and I know for me, my favorite is um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and so this definitely plays into that as a holiday movie for me. Um, but it's foodispower.org, and we have um, a section on workers. We also have in our resources section um, the chocolate list. And again, it explains where the companies fall. Our recommended list for those companies that we feel comfortable. We're not saying that these, this is absolutely perfect. What we're saying is we know for a fact that these companies are not sourcing their cacao from West Africa, which is where this slavery is most pervasive. Um, we also explained companies who didn't respond to us, and unfortunately a number of vegan companies you will see um, did not respond to us and will not disclose to us where they're getting their cacao from, and then a number of vegan companies who unfortunately at this time are not on our recommended list, but there are a number of chocolate companies and manufacturers who are vegan who are talking to us about switching over um, to sourcing their cacao from a more responsible place. I think it's so much about education. I didn't know about this till today, and and this is my life. Did you know, Alicia? You know, I'd only heard some rumors about this um, industry, and I didn't know very much about it. You know, I think it could be a full-time job just figuring out how to go to the grocery store. So <laughs> thank you. You know, people like you really help us um, make the choices that we want to be making because I think most of us want to spend money in socially responsible ways. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. And that we know it's hard. We know it's hard to, you know, we're, we're creating an app for the chocolate list that will make those with iPhones. It will make it much easier for them when they're grocery shopping. But we know it's difficult. But we also know overwhelmingly people do care about this stuff. And once they find out, they want to make the right decisions. And so it's up to us, one, to make it easier for them, and two, to hold these corporations accountable and making sure that they listen to the fact that customers do care and they do influence their buying choice. So what kinds of issues does Food Empowerment Project work on? So chocolate's one of the big issues that we work on. We also work on promoting veganism, but we also work on access to healthy foods in communities of color and low-income communities. And these are communities that maybe many of you have heard of are, that are called like food deserts where um, the population there maybe doesn't have they don't have the same access that others do to healthy foods in grocery stores. So they might have more fast food and liquor stores than they do proper grocery stores. 
So what we've done is we've done research to make this case, to go into these communities. We've done one community so far. We're going into another one next year and really assessing the availability of healthy foods, which for us includes fresh fruits and vegetables, canned and frozen, but also meat and dairy alternatives. So when you look at the fact that a majority of um, the communities that are impacted by this are communities of color, yet these are the same communities that lack access to dairy alternatives, and these are the same communities that have the highest rates of lactose intolerance. So we are going in there and we're looking at these issues and we're talking to the communities to find out what we can do to help them gain better access to the healthy foods. So are you educating community organizers around the importance of having the availability of these foods? Yeah, I mean, what we're doing is we're, we're doing, we did the research to make the case, and then we went to, to community groups that were already, some were already working on this issue, some were not, and did focus groups just to really find out what the communities wanted in terms of access and to find out a little bit more about what they were going through. And in doing so, yes, we definitely talk about, um, you know, these aspects of the fact that, you know, that they don't have these dairy alternatives, which some of them mentioned on their own. A lot of them are doing courses on their own on cooking healthier and cooking from foods that come out of their gardens. Um, a lot of that came out, we had, in two of the focus groups, the parents had kids who were vegan and they weren't quite sure how to feed the kids vegan. So in the areas that we worked in so far, some of the work was already done. The one we're going to be doing next, which is in um, California again, um, there isn't as much done, so we will be having to do um, on-the-ground work in that community to really go through and do the nutrition courses that need to be done um, to help people have a better understanding of the impacts. And is information about these projects available on your website as well? Yes, our website is foodispower.org, and we have information on our access work, which has our full report in it, which talks about um, the lack of access to fresh fruits and vegetables as well as meat and dairy alternatives. We also have a website called veganmexicanfood.com, which is fully translated in English and in Spanish, and that has a lot of delicious meals in it that are vegan. So for the communities that we're reaching out to, um, actually, both vegan and non-vegan communities that we're reaching out to can really benefit from these types of foods. It's wonderful that so many ethnic cuisines, almost anything that doesn't come from the U.S. or France, has <laughs> vegan food in it. So, Lauren, as our time is winding down, what can people who are interested in these food justice issues do? What can we do individually with our own choices, and how can we get involved in a bigger way? Sure. The main thing we encourage people to do is to inform themselves about these issues, learn about what's happening. And our website has a lot of information, not only about the chocolate slavery issue and the access issue, but also the farm worker issue and how farm workers are treated. Next is definitely using those, the same choices we make to advocate for animals, to use those same choices to advocate for other beings. So using your buying power. And again, that's not the only solution, but it's one of the solutions, as well as advocate, advocating for corporations to do the right thing, advocating for legislation to protect workers. We also encourage people, you know, if they want to get involved with us, we do have a Facebook page, we do have a Twitter account, we have an email alert that we send out about once a month telling people different things they can do and different ways that they can get involved. And just like with veganism, it's about talking about it. And the more people learn about these issues, the more we know people who want to make the right and just choices will do so. Yay. What's your Twitter? 
Hi, food is power. Ooh, okay. So you're at food is power on Twitter, and your food is power dot org on the World Wide Web, and people can find you on Facebook and like you to pieces. And thank you so much. Thank you for being part of Main Street Vegan and for all the good you do in the world. Thank you both for the same. Have a wonderful holiday. Thank you. Bless you. So after these announcements, we're going to be back with Misadventures of a Garden State Yogi. Stay with us. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet? and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting. No more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for Everyday Attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. For tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran with Main Street Vegan. My co host today is Alicia Leeds Myers. You can find her on Twitter at Elephant Belly. You can find me on Twitter at Victoria underscore Moran. And we can just all tweet back and forth. And if you'd like to talk to us right this minute, the number is 888. 888- Five five eight six four eight nine. Our guest for this segment is fun and funny, and he knows stuff. I'm so excited that we're going to be talking with Brian Leaf, author of Misadventures of a Garden State Yogi, My Humble Quest to Heal Colitis, Calm My ADD, and Find the Key to Happiness. Well, he certainly found the key to humor. This is a delightful book. And full of some wonderful information about yoga and Ayurveda, which we were talking about earlier. We love Ayurveda, Brian, and are very happy to be here today. Yeah, yeah, I love Ayurveda too. <laughs> 
So just tell, for people who are unfamiliar, give us the uh, elementary explanation of Ayurveda. So uh, Ayurveda is often called the sister science of yoga. Um, and so it's the it's like the medical side. It's the therapeutic side of yoga. Um, and I mean, in the in the old days in India, when you went to a hospital, it would be an Ayurvedic hospital. So it's a particular approach um, to you know to health and, and well being. And you believe that it helped you deal with your attention deficit disorder. No doubt, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, in Ayurveda, um, Ayurveda. One of the things I love about Ayurveda is it identifies how different folks, you know, different people, are different and respond to things differently. Um, in Ayurveda, it's, it's like a constitutional medicine. You know, it's a constitutional system. And so, you know, I think sometimes in in the U.S., you know, sometimes in the West, we just sort of have this idea that. If one thing, you know, like if under the microscope spinach has a lot of vitamins and minerals, it must be good for you. And for some people, it's obviously great for most people. But if somebody doesn't digest spinach well, then it's not good for them. You know, it can slow down their digestion or whatever. So Ayurveda really identifies what foods are good for whom and, um, you know, even the foods that are harder to digest, how to make them easier. So it's really great. So for me with uh, with ADD, um, I, I was seeing a therapist and she suggested I had ADD. And so I got really mad <laughs> or, or, and then sad. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I wondered if I could affect the ADD with something natural and holistic like I had years earlier using yoga to help colitis, uh, like nine years earlier. And so I just dove in and did a lot of reading and a lot of research. And I found that um, in a yoga journal article, it talked about how uh, a certain Ayurvedic imbalance an imbalance identified in Ayurveda could look like ADD symptoms. And so I dove in, you know, to find everything I could to try to figure out how to use Ayurveda. And I saw practitioners at all kinds of adventures and misadventures and funny things happen. But, you know, ultimately, using meditation and certain kinds of massage and certain, you know, diet and nutrition and, and different things, um, absolutely I was able to, you know, to kind of rein in the ADD. I think anybody okay. can, really. Oh, I so believe in the power of Ayurveda. I see how I get imbalanced around this time of year, right around the fall. And if I really look at what I'm supposed to be doing with my food and my daily routine according to Ayurveda, I love Deepak Chopra's book, Perfect Health. And now I'm loving Misadventures of a Garden State Yogi, which also has a lot of information about this in it. Then I just get back in balance. It's a beautiful, I can almost feel it. It's like shifting into a gear. Yeah. And it's also wonderful um, in the same way that yoga is with really understanding yourself and trusting in your own innate wisdom, which is something that you talk a lot about in your book as well, Brian. Yeah, yeah, it's true, absolutely. And, you know, what I love, too, is in that process when we're kind of igniting the fire of our own innate wisdom, um, in that process, it's nice to have some instructions to kind of get us going, to kind of jumpstart things a little bit. And I feel like Ayurveda, I really feel like Ayurveda is like the instruction manual for being a human being that we, like, aren't given when we're born, you know, that we should have been given. It's like it really helps you know what to eat and what to, you know, just all these different questions of how to best live and how to live most healthfully and energetically. And ultimately, I think our inner wisdom would tell us all these choices. We would know, you know, what to eat and how to eat it and where to live and all that. But in the meantime, while we're figuring it out, yeah, I feel like Ayurveda just gives us all the clues. And I find that you, you start 
figuring out other people. I don't know if that's what it's really meant for, but just today when I was having lunch, I turned on a TiVo'd Dr. Oz episode, and he had on three women exhibiting different kinds of stress. It's like, well, of course, because there's the Pitta one breaking out and getting all angry, and there's the Kapha one acting very calm and peaceful, and it's all boiling underneath. <laughs> so a little bit of That's diagnosis great. of the universe. So, Brian, everybody on Earth, it seems, is doing yoga, but it changed your life. So what's the difference between you and all those people at the Y? Uh I don't know. Maybe nothing. I mean, maybe it's going to change their life too, or maybe it is changing their life. Um, that's a very good question. I, I I think nothing. I think it's changing their life too, little by little, maybe. For me, I think it was a process of allowing, you know, allowing the messages to come through and noticing them. And yoga is such a practice of noticing and being aware. And I think it was almost a, a way to just get out of my own way. You know, I think I think you're right. I mean, you know, it's certain. It's funny to observe over the years. Um, I'm writing a new book called Misadventures of a Parenting Yogi, and so you know, it's about the it's about the ten years after that book when I've been a parent. And it's funny, you know, it's funny how things come in packages. Like, um, you can predict what people are going to kind of be uh, into, and like, you know, when people are into yoga, they're very often environmentalists you know they're they're eco-friendly they're, they're they want to help the environment out and do good things and so one day i thought well why is that and then i realized you know as you do yoga and your awareness increases you just i don't know there's certain respect that just happens you get more connected to the earth to the cycles to nonviolence, you know to all these things and so as somebody does yoga and as you said becomes more alert more aware more mindful it's it just sort of organically you know, one becomes more more wanting peace, more wanting, um, you know, uh, equality, egalitarianism, environmentalism. I think they all just sort of come together. I, I think when one is more aware, these things just follow. So I think the more yoga, the better. So, Brian, you teach yoga and meditation, and you have a, a center up there in Northampton, Massachusetts, that provides holistic tutoring. What's that? So, uh, so it, it means uh, that. So it's funny. Over the years, as I've studied all this stuff in the yoga and the Ayurveda, um, when I moved to Northampton about ten years ago, I I wanted to just be an energy worker. You know, just way out there <laughs> doing energy work with people all day, and I tried it. And for some reason, it really wasn't taking off. Um, and so I, you know, put out an ad to do tutoring, which is something I've always done as I've traveled around. It's just a good skill that's very portable. Wherever I lived, wherever I was studying, I would do it. And uh, the tutoring took off. And so, you know, my whole book is about following intuition and tapping into the flow of energy in the universe and following it. So I said, all right, I guess i got to follow this. And, I, you know, I, do, I started doing the tutoring. But I incorporated everything I know into the tutoring. So, I mean, sometimes I literally, I'll help kids write essays or do, you know, work on organizational skills. You know, we do SAT prep. I mean, we'll do the most mundane things. But I try to incorporate everything I know into whatever we do. Number one, at the baseline, trying to be present with students, you know, just trying to be in a loving, unconditional, unconditionally loving presence, you know, with them. And that's healing, I think. And then, you know, using Ayurveda to kind of inform what I see and who they are and how to reach them. Um, sometimes I use uh, flower remedies or different things like that with them. Uh, and Northampton is the kind of place where people are open to that, so that's cool. 
So you have in, in your book, Misadventures of a Garden State Yogi, eight keys to happiness. What are some of your favorites? Uh, let's see. So the first one is do yoga. And if you already do yoga, do more yoga. So I like that one a lot. Um, and then there's uh, one of my favorites. Uh, there's there's tap into your intuition and your inner wisdom. I think that's so key. Um, I really think that is the key. I think yoga is great. And I'm a total yoga zealot. But actually, I think it's not really about yoga. It's about tapping into your intuition and following that. So for somebody else, it might not be yoga. You know, I'm totally willing to to entertain the possibility that for somebody else, it's not yoga. Um, and so I think tapping into your intuition finds what it is for you, uh, you know, for, for each person. And then another one that I really love is, uh, is, um, is like, come from your heart. Uh, I can't remember the exact wording right now, but it's, you know, basically connect with your heart and interact with others from that place. Because I find for me, you know, all I really want is to feel connected to other people. And I find that when I'm doing it from my head, trying to be funny or trying to be likable or trying to be attractive, I can only connect to a certain level. But when I just drop into my heart and I just relax and I just let it go and just show up as a person from my heart, interact with people from that place, I don't know, I'm just more connected and I'm just more satisfied. The, you know, I just the insecurity and the pressure and the competition kind of fall away. And then I can really connect just as a, just as a real human being. So I love that one too. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. It reminds me of, you know, the, the advice that you got when you were on your cross-country road trip um, that you talked a lot about in the book. Um, the three words that you used were fearless, honest, and relaxed. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. That was uh, that was advice that was given to us on this road trip we were on. Um, by so I, I was traveling around with an old friend named Zach, and uh, his, that was one of his uh, this really cool sociology professor he had in college, and he had done a lot of traveling and was kind of a free spirited guy. And we sat down with him, and he gave us advice for our trip. And he said, you know, on the trip, be fearless because you know take risks, step out of your usual patterns. Um, be honest, because when you travel around and you're honest, people catch the vibe. They open up to you. You know, you'll have much more interesting situations. And be relaxed, because you know you're traveling. Have fun. Why get all stressed out? And it really helped. It made for a really interesting trip, and it, it definitely opened up the possibility for some crazy adventures and misadventures. <laughs> well, you had one at a Grateful Dead concert. What was that? Yeah. So. Um, I, you know, I wasn't a deadhead. I, I had only been to one other show, um, but we were visiting these folks who were really into it, and so they brought us to a show. And I definitely, right off the bat, I really appreciated um, just the. It's not exactly my scene, you know. The yoga scene's a little different, but I just really appreciated the free spiritedness of it. I mean, you know, talk about tapping into your intuition or living from your heart. That opens up some weird possibilities, you know. And yes, one has to be open and free to really try to do that because your intuition might tell you to do some weird things. Um, and so you, it's hard to do that if you're just plugged into a conservative, strict kind of dogma or way of, a closed way of seeing the world. So I really appreciated at the Dead Show the really open, free way, you know, that everybody was there. And, you know, you bring 50,000 people together in a really free space, and that's pretty transformational and, you know, pretty tra transformative. So anyway, I was at the Dead Show, and uh, we were way up in the bleachers, I didn't know the songs that well, but I was trying to sing. And then at some point I just released to just trying to feel the music. 
and I closed my eyes and I was feeling the music. And then the weirdest thing happened. The energy, this energy started building. And then, I don't know, I, I, I kid you not, but I, it was building and building and building. And then all of a sudden, this, I, I literally felt and saw this green tube of energy go from me to Jerry Garcia. It sounds like there was a lot of drugs involved, but there weren't. And, uh, and then this tube started pushing me back. And I was literally hooked my toes under the bleacher, I remember, so I wouldn't fall back. And I started crying and chanting Om, which I guess is the thing that I knew that I associated with this sort of energy state. And uh, it just, you know, and it was, it was amazing. It was, it was like this wild, blissful, ecstatic experience. In yogic terms, I'd say it was a Shaktipat experience. It was an experience of an awakening of you know, the, of the Shakti and the body of energy in the body. And, and I guess I guess Jerry Garcia was a channel for that kind of thing, which makes sense. You know, I mean, he had such a community around him. He was, he was an intense guy. That's such a beautiful image of the light. And did you say later on in the book you, you were able to see other people's auras for some time after that experience? It was a different experience, but yes, that's true. After a similar type of energy experience, for the short amount of time, I would see these auras around people, and it kind of freaked me out, so I never really focused on it much, and then it went away. But that was that was very interesting. And again, um, uh, you know, it's interesting to sort of have confirmation for these things. I looked up in this book, um, this book by Barbara Brennan called Hands of Light, and sure enough, the things that I was seeing were, were described in there were illustrations even in the book of the kinds of things I was seeing. There is more to heaven and earth, Horatio, than you have dreamed of. So, it's true. It's, it's true. That's a really good point. To be open to all the beauty and power. You have some beautiful, beautiful quotations that start your chapters. Most books, most nonfiction books, seem to have some of those. And most of them are the ones that we've all got memorized, but you have found some quotations I've never, ever seen before, and I'm going to memorize them. And my favorite is from the Bhagavad Gita. You say, yoga is the practice of tolerating the consequences of being yourself. Hmm. Yeah, that's nice. That is nice. I think that's like we were just talking about. You know, that's... um uh, again, you know, there's more to heaven and earth. It's like to really open up to these possibilities of what of what's really there. We have to tolerate the realness of who we are. We have to tolerate when we ask intuition. We have to be prepared to tolerate what it says, and it may not say what we wanted or what we expected or what we imagine is the thing or what our ego believes is the right thing. So we have to be prepared to tolerate all these, you know, and to tolerate the imperfections. You know, I think part of why I, the book hopefully is so funny is because I try to just illustrate some of these imperfections of being human. You know, the silly way our di- you know our silly digestion and all the noises our body makes and all the you know just these things that are just so true of of our imperfect selves. I really love that about your book because oftentimes yoga books tend to be very serious about themselves and um, you bring a lightness to your book that is also very true of the practice when, when, you're, when you bring a sense of humor to it. It can be a very, very uplifting light experience. And it's, it's humorous but also sad that we have only one minute left in the show today. You have the most beautiful present, Brian Leaf, and I hope that everybody listening will go out and get their very own copy of Misadventures of a Garden State Yogi. You can also find Brian and his work online at www.misadventures-of-a-yogi. 
com. And are you on Twitter or any place else you want people to know about? Uh, yes, absolutely. On the website, there's links to Twitter and Facebook. Um, I think my Twitter account is is at Brian Leaf. Um, okay. Funny, I don't have it memorized, but I think it's. I think Twitter is just Brian Leaf, and Facebook is Misadventures of a Yogi. So Facebook, you know, backslash Misadventures of a Yogi. Um, okay. Life was simple before it had backslashes. <laughs> yep, and at Thank signs and so all that. Much. Thank you, Brian, for being with us. Thanks to Lauren of the Food Empowerment Project as well. Her website is foodispower.org. Thanks to Alicia Leeds Myers, elephantbelly.com. And thanks to you, our listeners, live in person and podcasted later on. We really, really, really appreciate you. Please be in touch. Visit us at mainstreetvegan.net. And most of all, be well, be happy, eat some veggies, and have the most beautiful day. God bless. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria and Adair Moran entertain, educate, and inspire you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria and Adair or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Rev. Beverly Molander and her guest on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how you can activate your own power of yes. Using affirmative prayer, or positive intention, can make a big difference in the way you think, feel, and live. 
If you want help moving from chaos to clarity in relationships, health, prosperity, or work, this is the place for you. We'll have some how-to suggestions about how you can say yes more often from this point forward. Talk with Beverly Molander and her guest live every Monday at noon Central or 1 p.m. Eastern. Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. 